voice. And so today's message is going to be called Heaven is Speaking. Because if the enemy is so determined to come and talk to us in our quiet time and come to speak things that don't mean anything to us, then it's because something great is coming. And the counterfeit always comes before the real. So as I'm, I'm looking, I'm, I've been, um, I've actually been in a lot of prayer and counseling sessions with a lot of people because of this. Because they've heard things that do not align, it doesn't align itself with what Christ says and Christ thinks. And so they take it on themselves as, as if it was the Lord, but it wasn't. And so I've been breaking down all this stuff in the spirit with people and telling them, no, that wasn't God. That wasn't Jesus. We've got to go back to the place where you heard this voice and it lied to you. And we've got to see where it's, where it's got the hook inside of you. Where's the root of this, this hook that it keeps coming and thinks it has the right to hook itself to you? That you would come and agree with it. And so I know the Lord right now is really trying to pull some roots out of us because of what he's sending to us is going to be so great. We will not have time to continue to walk in the things of God and have these rooted wounds inside of us. And so we started noticing, I mean, one person I was praying with, it was a root that they had had since they were little from their dad. And here comes something that happens in a now time, and they're 50-something years old. And here comes the enemy using that very root from when they were kids to come and hook itself to them, to kind of drag them along and make them believe that God was doing this. And I was like, no, God is a good God. He loves us. He is not going to come and drag us around and make us and force us to do things. He leads us to things. He doesn't pressure us into things. And so I, I, as I was sitting there and I was praying with different people, it was always the same thing. And when you're hearing too many voices all at once, it creates chaos in your life. It really does. It creates a lot of chaos. And you're confused. Um, and and, and there's, there's people, unfortunately, we're living in a real world, and we're dealing with real people, with real emotions. And what happens is people that come into our lives sometimes has motive and agenda of what they tell you to do and, and label it Jesus is saying. And so we have to begin to use our discernment in here with Holy Spirit to, say, to see what is of God and what is not of God. And we really have, how do we even build that? I had somebody ask me that the other day as I was praying for them. They're like, how do you get an increase of discernment? Will you ask God for the increase of discernment? I always use the fruits of the Spirit in Galatians. Because if it doesn't match with what the Lord is speaking in Galatians about the fruit, even the fruit of that person that's trying to give me some godly advice, then I cannot accept it or agree with it. Because it's not going to come from the Father's heart and his love for us. You've got to begin to dissect things and begin to break things apart for you to get to the root of things. Even in ourselves. If the enemy's been lying to you and you've come to agreement with those lies in certain areas, you've got to begin to come, and come to the Lord and say, God, search me out. 
What's still there? What's still inside of me that I haven't allowed you to come get rid of? That I have to, I have to get rid of it. And a lot of it has to do with humility. Because a lot of the time we become prideful and we think we're okay. We think that we're doing good and, and, and we have this uh, great, our own ideas. And we sang about it earlier about the will of the Father being in his will is by your will. For your pleasure I exist. When you apply that in your life, that by your will, for your pleasure I exist, it, it changes things. Because it's not about what you, your own satisfaction, your own needs. The, the perspective of how you think begins to widen and get bigger. And the reason why it gets bigger, because it's no longer just about you. It's about the kingdom of God. So every decision that you make and agree with becomes about the kingdom of God and not about us anymore. And it's a whole different way of a lifestyle. It's a whole different way of thinking. Um, we're no longer focused on ourselves, our own emotions, our own struggling, our own things. We're no longer uh, just looking at our, our own trash, our own junk. But we're thinking bigger, and we come in and we say, okay, God, what, how is this going to benefit the kingdom of God? How is this going to benefit the people that you have me taking care of? And maybe you don't minister. Maybe you're not active in ministry. It happens at your work. It happens all the places God sends you to, whether you go to the store, whatever it is. But there's always a bigger picture God wants to help you to understand and realize. That's why the voices come and they're lying. And you hear the chatter and you hear the whispers and their lies from the enemy. Why? Because he wants you to believe. He wants you to believe the lie so he can begin to strip things away from you that God wants you to begin to embrace. Heaven is speaking so loudly right now, but we've got to begin to teach ourselves to learn to listen to him. In James 4, 7... It talks about submit yourself then to God and resist the devil and he will flee from you. Resist is to oppose or to withstand. That what's coming, what's being said in our mind, what's being said to us is not of God. And we don't know how to resist the devil because we've already come to an agreement with the enemy of what he's spoken to you. And it could be something personal of your identity. It could be something personal of, of your walk with God. Like, who do you think you are, you know, sharing this word with somebody? La yesterday we were out. We were ministering to different people. I guarantee you some of us were getting attacked in our minds. Why do we get attacked in our minds? Because that's the plan of the enemy. It was the very plan from the very beginning, and it has not changed. What does the voice sound like? And who are the ones that heard his voice? Every time that the enemy came to try to distract, to try to take people off the path and the track to agree with him, it was because God was coming to do something greater. It was because God had a purpose and a destiny so big for somebody's life, but also for the kingdom of God. The first thing that God begins to speak in, in existence was light. That was the very first thing in Genesis, in one, Genesis 1, 3, it says that the very first thing that was called into existence as the Spirit was, was, the Spirit was hovering over the earth was the light. Why was the light the first thing? Because the light was going to outpower any darkness. 
any darkness. There's times of my life where I've had to call on his light to come in. And I'll say, God, I call on your light that there's any darkness here that would have to flee and it would have to leave. That's part of the resisting the devil. To know that the light was so powerful over any kind of darkness. You, 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 you should hear some of the discussions I have with people about how intrigued they are with the supernatural and the demonic things. And I, and I come in there and I have these conversations with them. And I'm like, why do you give the demonic and the supernatural and the demonic area more power than you would give to God? Why do you uh, get excited about it and all of a sudden you're talking about it? And all of a sudden there's something that's, that stirs up inside of you to the demonic things. Why? Because, because it, it all happened first with, with the Lord's supernatural, the Lord's power, the Lord's light that came in and shut out all darkness. It was not the other way around. And so sometimes we have to remind ourselves we got to flip the script some of us say it with our mouths on a daily basis. What are you speaking out of your mouth? Oh, I'm tired. I'm sick. You're still agreeing with darkness because da sickness is of darkness. It's not of the Lord. It's not of the light. So every time we speak something out of our mouth, we're agreeing with the enemy and we're not agreeing with the Lord anymore. Adam was the first to hear his voice and he knew no other voice. When Adam walked with God in the garden, he knew no other voice. The only voice he knew was God's voice. And when God spoke, he answered. And even, even, in, even while he was walking in the garden of the cool of the day, the enemy still came and lied to them and stole from them their identity. Even in that area. So even more, that's been the assignment for years for decades, that's been the assignment of the enemy, but we still are listening to those other voices instead of listening to Holy Spirit, the voice of all voices, which is the Lord. Moses comes in Exodus, and he has an encounter with the Lord in the burning bush. And the one thing he, he responds to God's voice is, here I am. Here I am, God. Whatever it is that you want from me, God. Whatever it is that you want me to do, God, here I am. Most of us come and we hear voice, a voice of God and we know God's speaking to us and we sit there and try to figure it out in our mind and we're like, but why, God? But how come, God? And how is this going to work out, God? And we become argumentative with God when, when we're supposed to just come just as they did when they heard the voice that they say, here I am, God. Here I am, God. It doesn't matter what he's instructing us to do right now. It doesn't matter what he's telling us to do. What matters is that we come as a servant unto the kingdom of God in humility, and we say, here I am, God. Whatever it is you ask of me, I will do. I remember when I first got called out to Alabama, my leaders knew what I prayed, and they knew what I said all the time in my prayer time. And I would always tell God, God, I'll do whatever you want me to do. When you're in the presence of God, in the true presence of God and intimacy with him, you will do whatever you want him to do. He wants you to do because of the love you have for him. You will go and do things that you never imagined yourself to do. You will say things you never imagined yourself to say in that moment of love wrapped in him. 
And I would always say that. I was like, God, whatever you tell me to do, God, send me. I'll go. I'll do. Just do whatever you want to do with me. Nothing else matters in my life but you. And let me tell you, he heard that, and he took it. And he says, okay, now you want to be sent out? You want to go do things? Okay, now I'm going to do it. And when it came to doing it, I couldn't argue with him. I remember it being difficult and hard, but I could no longer argue with him because it was something that I had already committed to. I had already told him I would do it. So I couldn't argue with him because it's something that was in my heart that was burning. And all of a sudden, he shows up, and he's like, okay, you're going you're gonna to pack up all your stuff, all your family, and you're going to move to some other state where you know nobody. And I'm like, okay, God. Was it hard? Yes. Was it difficult? Yes. There, there was such a, a tug of war that came within me. I believe right now in the body of Christ, there's such a tug of war in our minds, in the voices that we're hearing. You're being tugged by the enemy, and at the same time, you're being tugged by the things of God. And it becomes a tug of war. Literally this morning, I began to see this rope, and I began to see you on one side and God on the other. And you're playing tug of war, thinking you're going to win this tug of war, but you're not going to win this tug of war. He wins every single time. And as much as we kick and we scream and we don't want to do the things he's asking us to do because, because we're scared or because we don't know what it's going to look like, for everybody it's something different. But, but let me tell you, he wins the tug of war. Whatever he's saying and he's already spoken over your life, it's going to happen. And you can go kicking and screaming and, and questioning it, or you can say, here I am, God. Whatever it is you want me to do, God, here I am. Elijah goes. He's the only prophet left, Elijah. And, he, and here he comes, and he's getting attacked. And he's trying to show the people that Baal, the God of Baal, was not of power. But it was, it was, it was, it was, he was the only one existing, still speaking the truth of God. And he had to break through the barriers of man in this process. He had to trust in the Lord for one, and he had to still do what God told him to do. Did he become afraid? Yes, because it said he ran. And he went and he got into the cave, remember? You can go read this in 1 Kings 19.12. Let's go there real quick, because I want you to capture this in your spirit. See, Everybody that we read about in Scripture, they all had their timing. They all had the tug of war. They all had their moments where the enemy came in and lied, and they heard voices, and they were, they were, they were off the path of what God had originally said, and they had to get back into that place. Let's go to 19.9. So he's in this cave, and, it's, and he says, but the Lord said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? This is the voice that he had to hear over, over all the other voices at that time. If he was the only prophet left, I guarantee you, there was a lot of other voices speaking to him to try to get him to bow down to Baal. There was a lot of voices coming at that time to Elijah that he didn't, he, did, he had to literally go into the cave to really hear what God was saying. That speaks to me of this secret place. That speaks to me of the intimacy that Elijah had to go back to the place where he started from. 
Go back into the secret place and say, okay, God, what, I'm scared. I don't know what to do right now. I need your instruction. I need you here. See, if we keep running around trying to do what we want to do and not seeking his will, we're going to get off the path, off the things he originally called of the blessings in our life. And Elijah understood that. It says, but the Lord said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah replied, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you. They tore down their altars and killed every, every one of your prophets. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. You know, we sit here and we go through things in our lives, and I can't imagine how Elijah felt that everybody wanted to kill him. And we cry and we murmur and we complain over crazy things in our lives every day. And here this man is running from the enemy, literally, and, and, he's, and they want to kill him. So let me tell you what happens next. Go, this is the Lord's instructions. It says, it said, I am the only one left and now they're trying to kill me. Go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told him. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by. And a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. But the Lord was not, uh, it says, the Lord was not in the earthquake, and after the earthquake, there was a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was a sound of a gentle whisper. Then Elijah heard it, and he wrapped his face in his mantle, in his cloak, and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And the voice said, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he replied again, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty. How many of us get to that point with the Lord? And we're like, God, I've done everything I know how to do. I've served you. I've listened to your voice. I've been obedient to you all this time. But the enemy wants to kill me. The enemy wants to slaughter me. Everybody's against me. And he goes and he has this encounter with God in the secret place. And the voice says, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he replies again, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down their altars, and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. Elijah says this twice. He is in a desperate mode. When I read that, that he said it twice, he's crying out to God. He is in a desperate mode with Jesus, and I mean with God, and saying, man, God, I don't know what happened. Everything was going good. All of a sudden, the enemy shows up. Now, I'm trying, now they're trying to kill me, and everything has shifted. And the Lord shows up, and he tells them, go back to the same way you came, Travel to the wilderness of Damascus, and when you arrive there, anoint Hazal to be king of Aram. Then anoint Juhid, grandson of the Nishi, to be king of Israel, and anoint Elisha, son of Shehat, from the town of Abel. He comes in, and he gives them instruction, and he gives them strategy. 
in this place that he's in where he's in fear and he's running. And, Jesus, and God comes in and gives him specific direction. Why does the voice of God show up? Because he wants to give us instruction. Because he wants us to know, I'm still with you. I haven't left you. I'm with you in this journey that even if the enemy has come in and tried to do things, I'm still with you. I'm still running with you. I'm still right here beside you. Nothing has changed. And I think a lot of the times the enemy convinces us that things have changed when they haven't. God doesn't change. The plan is still the same. Everything's still the same, but what changes is that we listen to the voice, we believe the voices that we're hearing of the enemy, and then everything begins to change. Why? Not because of God. God doesn't change. We begin to change. We begin to listen to other things that don't matter, that don't line up with the things of God. And then he he goes on and he gives them instruction and tells them where there's people who have not bowed down to Baal. Here comes the hope for him. And he says, look, there's 7,000 people in Israel that have not bowed down to Baal. They're still with me. They're still believers. There's always going to be people that still believe. There's always going to be people that have not bowed down to the enemy. There's always hope. And I read that. I was like, God, I was like, even then, when the enemy was coming like that, there was still hope in the region. There were still people there that believed and, and understood what you were saying, and they didn't, they didn't walk away from what you had already spoken. So God comes in in a still small voice to Elijah. He wasn't in the fire. He wasn't, and it gives a whole list. He wasn't in the earthquake. Some of us are trying to hear his voice and things where we're not going to find him. So we have to begin to ask Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, how is it that I can hear the voice of God? I don't want to go looking for the voice of God in places where I shouldn't be looking for the voice of God. I don't want to get caught up in the traps of the enemy where I'm going to go somewhere looking for you, looking for your voice, and you're not even there, God. See, this is where the dispositioning comes. And we run and we do things based on our emotions and our wounds and our hurts. That it dispositions you from the place you're called to, from the place you're supposed to be at. And so all of a sudden, you go do this in the natural. Let's give some examples in the natural of now. You'll take off. You'll go somewhere else. You'll move. You'll do changes in your life that God never told you to do. And then all of a sudden, you find yourself standing there like, how did I even get here? What happened? Everything was so good. Everything was flowing. Everything, I was hearing God so good. And and I was getting revelation and all these things were happening. And all of a sudden, boom, it all shuts down. Because we're listening to the other voices that we shouldn't be listening to. Samuel, 1 Samuel 3. And you could go read this later. But he talks about Samuel was, was a young man who did not know God. He wasn't like in tune with the Spirit of God. He was very new to everything. And the Lord comes and he calls on him. 
He calls on him three times. E Eli was the one in charge of him to teach him. And he keeps coming to Eli. Here I am, the same thing. He says the exact same thing. And he tells Eli, the guy who's, who's mentoring him and pouring into him, and he says, here I am. Here I am. And does it three times. By the fourth time, Eli tells him, look, go back, lay down. Because Eli knew it was the Lord trying to speak to him. And he sends him back. And he, he doesn't tell him to take, he doesn't tell him, you know what, I think you need to go outside and pray. He sends him back to the same place where he was. He doesn't change his position. And he sends him back to the same position where he was at to lay down in his bed and listen out for the voice of God. He could have told him to bow down and pray. He could have told him all kinds of things, but he didn't. He sent him back to that same place where he was at and nothing changed. He said, go. Lay down, rest, be in, be in the peace, because he knew that God was going to come speak to him. And then here comes the Lord with instructions to him again. Every single time the voice comes, it comes with instructions. It comes with vision. It comes with, with God trying to intervene into our lives to tell us what we're supposed to be doing at that moment and at that time of our lives. But if all we keep hearing is the enemy's voice saying we can't do things, that the Lord has changed his mind, that who are we, that we're not worthy, these are just a few things for you and maybe something different. Maybe it's trying to shut your mouth down for you not to speak, for you not to talk, and it brings confusion to you. And sometimes you get all confused, and then you question, is God even real? Does he exist? See, those are all thoughts and voices of the enemy that he wants you to agree with and come and, 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 and partake of the lies. And you don't mean to do it because you love Jesus. But it happens. It's a real thing that happens. And I, I'm here this morning to expose it. Because as we begin to expose the plans of the enemy, the real thing comes. The truth of who God is and what he's spoken over your life begins to manifest in great magnitude. And we don't have time anymore right now to be messing with things that are not of the Lord. To be messing with these voices that come and think that they have power over you. 1 Corinthians 14.33. It says, for God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. I've been hearing lately people call me and they're like, well, I'm just struggling with some decision-making. And they're up all night and they can't sleep and they're bouncing this decision-making in their mind and they're confused of what they're supposed to do. And I'm like, no, God already said. God already spoke to you on this. This is why you're there. And then you have to reprogram yourself to say, God didn't lie. God didn't make a mistake of putting me where I'm at, at this very moment, at this very time. Everything he spoke is still in existence. It didn't change for such a time as this. 2 Timothy 2.7, think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Before you make a decision, get understanding in that decision that you're making. 
Go to Holy Spirit and say, give me understanding, Holy Spirit, of this situation so I won't fall into the traps and the schemes of the enemy of old patterns, old wounds that I still have not dealt with within myself that pulls you out of the will of God. And when you begin to do that, the Lord will begin to show you Okay, this is why this happened. This is why this occurred. And he comes in and he, he almost like the Holy Spirit comes in to comfort you in that process of understanding. And it, does, it breaks off all that confusion. 1 John 4.1, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see if they are from God. Not every voice you hear is going to be from God. And you have to test it and you have to say, God, is this you speaking to me? Is this your Holy Spirit speaking to me? Or is this of, is this of the enemy trying to speak to me in things? And the Lord will give you confirmation of things. I live by that. If God's telling me to do something, I'll say, okay, God, I'll wait for your confirmation. That you would confirm to me that what you've already spoken is still in existence and you're going to confirm it to me through, through somewhere, through a person, through a word. Sometimes it's confirmation through things I see, through things I hear, and then I get the confirmation on it. But we have to make sure it's the Lord. John 10, 27, my sheep know my voice and I know them and they follow. That's the key right there, the very end, they follow. We hear the voice of God, and then we follow. We hear his voice, and then we become obedient to whatever it is that he says for us to do. I always tell everybody, obedience surpasses all understanding. I will be obedient in all things unto God. And there are times where I don't understand what he's doing, but I know obedience surpasses all understanding. So I will make the decision to do things in obedience to God, who is my Father, who his thoughts towards me are good every single day, that I will make a decision, and the understanding sometimes comes later. But because it surpasses all understanding. Job 23, 12 says, I have, treasures, I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. I thought that was so powerful. Because the words that God is speaking right now from heaven are extremely important. We can no longer devalue them and treat them like they're nothing. But we have to take heed to what God is speaking and saying to us right now. Because heaven is speaking loudly. If the voices of the enemy are coming so strong right now, it's because the Lord wants us to hear his voice. It's because the Lord wants us to come and get before him in our secret place, in our intimate place, and get instruction from the Lord. Not instruction of people's um, opinions. Not instruction of what people think or say. That's why I thought it was so good when, when um, I think Pete was praying over people and words of man being broken off. Because God is the one that's going to give us the direction and the instruction by his Holy Spirit of where we're supposed to be and where we're supposed to go. But the voices that come, we have to make sure that it's the Lord and not anything else. The Lord began to show me the other day that the enemy is after our mantles. 
He's after our mantles. What does the mantle represent? It represents a sign of our calling from God. And you can go read that in 1 Kings 19.13. The mantles represent authority. It represents responsibility as God's chosen. 2 Kings 2.8. We have a responsibility to our calling. I thought that was so good because I was like, God, yeah, we can sit here and we can hear your voice. And we can hear things from the Holy Spirit. But are we going to position ourselves, take the responsibility that you've given us to be obedient to what you're saying? Are we going to begin to walk in faith and begin to agree with Holy Spirit and do things as you begin to lead us and tell us what to do? Because it's our authority and our responsibility. You can cause the other voices to be quiet because the authority that God's given you. You can tell them to be quiet, and you don't have to listen to any other voice. The mantle also symbolized Holy Spirit. In Matthew 3.16, it says, As the Spirit was ascending on the Lord, on Jesus, it was like Holy Spirit came and became a mantle over him in his walk of his ministry. It was so good. The Holy Spirit is the person who empowers us to do God's work. We cannot do it without Holy Spirit. As much as we know the word and we gain knowledge from the word, Holy Spirit is what comes and makes the word come alive. Holy Spirit is what begins to, it is, it is a connection between us and heaven, Holy Spirit. And if we're trying to not listen to Holy Spirit in the process and do things that we think we know how to do, we're going to end up in situations God never meant for us to end up in. And we go through things that God never intended for us to go through. But God right now wants to cut the cord of the tug of war between you and him, and he wants to make it a three-strand cord. What does a three-strand cord represent? It represents, and I want to give you the scripture on that because I'm just asking the Lord of these things as I'm, as I'm standing here. The, the three the three-strand cord always represented the strength. That it would be you, him. It would be the, the trinity, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, the three-strand cord. And in you, you would come in agreement with the, three, with the three of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And that's what empowers you to walk with him every single day. See, the cords of the enemy will have you like a puppet, I saw this one time. I saw strings falling down and people being made puppets of the enemy. And the enemy was pulling the strings and making the people do things. And the Lord said, my children were never called to be puppeteers. They were only called to listen to my voice. They were only called to take heed to what I'm saying and no other voice. No other voice can supersede the voice of God. If there are other voices that are coming and speaking to you, when does he come? He comes late at night when you're laying on your bed. Why? Because he's trying to steal the peace. He's trying to steal the rest. He's trying to convince you of other things that God never spoke over you. 
and he comes with these lies. And here comes God, and he's extending his hand out to you, and he's like, just walk with me, as in the beginning, as Adam was called to walk with me. Because Jesus came and did it all for us that we, we could have restoration from back then to bring it to a now time that we can still walk with him every single day. This morning, I began to encounter the Lord, and I hadn't seen the Lord like this in a really long time. And that's how I know that he, he, there's a shift here this morning. There's something here that he's shifting there's something here that's moving, and, and it came in different this morning. It came in in meek, meekness, and it didn't come in like before. It came in the Lord's meekness. In Matthew 5, 5, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Titus 3, 2, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy towards all people. Psalms 37, 11, it says, But the mink shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. I saw the Lord walking in here. And I know this is hard and it's a stretch even for some of you that are watching and listening online. But I remember being in Texas one time. And I remember the presence of God being so heavy in the sanctuary that I began to fall to my face because I could feel the presence of God so heavy in that place. And when I fell to my face immediately, I began to see the feet of the Lord walking in the service. And I began to see the light and the glory shining on his feet as the straps were wrapped around his toes. And I remember me not being able to stand because the Lord had walked into the service and the Lord had arrived. Let me tell you, I don't care what your situation is, but when God arrives, everything changes and it has to move. Everything has to begin to adjust itself to heaven because heaven wants to speak to us. Heaven wants to show up and begin to shift things on our behalf. And, and, it, and, and I, I saw the Lord walking in this morning and I saw his feet walking in towards from the back to, to the front. And I remember when I had this experience years ago, and the Lord began to tell me, he says, in the pressing, the oils that come out of you, will you use those same oils to bless my children? Will you bless them no matter how their feet come in? Will you pray for them no matter how dirty their feet are and they're unclean? And they look a little unrighteous. Will you, will you lay yourself down for each and every one of them and allow your oils that I'm giving you in the pressing, in the pressing of things, that the oil just comes out of you. Nothing else comes out of you but the oil of heaven and the oil of God. That that same oil begins to fall on people's feet to anoint their feet and begin to worship God with that same oil in the pressing. Some of us are being pressed right now. But we have to understand, what is the pressing creating? What's coming up and out of us? Because if it doesn't look like Jesus, then we need to get in that secret place. 
We need to go back to where it all started from, being on our face, seeking his face, and saying, God, if you're not coming out of me, then what is? And whatever it is, God, that you would uproot it, and it would not stay inside of me any longer. Do you ever get sick of being sick? Sick and tired of being sick, sick and tired of having this mindset, sick and tired of going through things over and over and over again in your life? I know I do. And I ask God, God, in the pressing, what's coming out of me? I want to read something to you that the Lord began to put in my belly this morning. It says in Psalms 55, 22, I know that Pastor Felix shared this on Thursday, but as I began to read it this morning again, I was like, God, it says, cast thy burdens upon Jehovah, and he will sustain you. He will never suffer the righteous to be moved. But somehow we move ourselves. He sustains us. He undergirds us. And he keeps us from being moved. But somehow we still get moved. Who moves us? Not him. And then he began to tell me. He told me this this past week. I had a moment with him of just breaking down and weeping with him. Because see, when the attacks come, sometimes you can't see the other side. I'm just being transparent and honest with you. And I had a day where I had a phone call. And the Lord began to show me through this phone call. They don't even know Jesus, these people I was talking to. But God used them. God will use anybody and anything to begin to speak to his children when they can't hear from Holy Spirit sometimes. When they're drowned out by the voices and they can't hear you. And this lady called me that I hadn't spoke to in a long time. And the numbers were 522. 522 means a lot to this house. It's his grace that brought me here. It's his grace that's sufficient for us this season. I can't do it without his grace being upon my life. I don't have enough power or strength within me. But his grace comes in. And it comes in and it covers like the mantle we were talking about. And grace comes in with the mantles. That we can't do things in our own strength, in our own mind, in our own power. But Holy Spirit comes in. Rabashi nanamashati. The 22 represented to me the, the scripture for this house. Isaiah 22, 22 is what brought us here. That no door will shut. That God opened. Man can't shut the doors. You shut the doors sometimes. But God has not changed his mind over this house. God has not changed his mind over your life. He's still the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And I'm telling you right now, his grace is sufficient for you. That's what he began to tell me. He says, it's okay. It's okay, I'm here. I didn't leave. The doors didn't shut. My grace is sufficient for you. I began to go read 2 Corinthians 12, 9. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses. 
so that Christ's power may rest upon me. It's not about any one of us. Mistakes are going to be made. Things are going to be done. But his grace is sufficient for us. That he comes in through the Holy Spirit. The word sufficient means adequate for the purpose. It's adequate for the purpose of the kingdom of God. See, God didn't change his mind about what we're doing here in Ohio and the Ohio ablaze. And sometimes the enemy comes and feeds off of our wounds and our hurts and has us do things that we came to agreement with. And God this morning is saying, disagree with that thing. Resist the devil and he'll flee. Aren't you tired of the hooks coming and hooking you and dragging you around like a ball and chain? Aren't you tired of the enemy coming and pulling you in directions where you never wanted to go? Because God didn't say to. And unless God speaks it, then why are you there? Why are you there in your mind? Why are you thinking he left you? He never left you. Yes, mistakes are made. But you get up and you dust yourself off. And you say, God, your grace is sufficient for me, God. Grace is a very powerful tool if you use it. You have full access to all of his grace. Not just bits and pieces of it, but the fullness of his grace because of what he did on the cross for you and me. There are times where I sit in my office and I say, God, you send this city girl to this country town. And I don't get it and I don't understand it. And there's responsibilities because of the mantle. There's responsibilities and there's authority that you've given me with this mantle, God. And God, I have a choice to take it on, the responsibility and the mantle, or I, have a resp or, or I just throw it to the ground. There were people here before. They didn't understand some of the things. But there are mantles here of generals. And I say, God, those mantles, God, they don't just disappear. They don't just leave. I remember William Brandon was sitting with the Lord in a cabin, and he waited on God to come in. He waited on the voice of God to come in because he, he was not going to leave until God spoke to him. Some of us need to get back to that place where we're so hungry for God that we're like, God, I'm not going to leave until you speak to me. I'm not going to make a decision until you talk to me, God. I'm not about my own ideas and my own will. I'm about your will, God, your decisions, whatever you want me to do, God. And so you sit there in your secret place, banging on the throne of God and say, God, I can't be moved, God. Don't let the enemy move me with his ideas and his junk and his trash, making me believe I'm somebody who I'm not, God. You are kings and you are priests of the kingdom of God. You are ambassadors. An ambassador is the voice of God that runs through each and every one of you. And the enemy has shut your mouth long enough. You have to begin to open your mouth and speak. I was reading this and I thought this was so powerful and I don't want to miss this part of it 
John 18, 37. <laughs> Jesus is in front of Pilate. And Pilate tells him, he says, you're a king then, huh? And Jesus responds and answers, and he says, I am a, he says, he says, Jesus answered, you say that I'm a king. In other words, he's saying, well, if you said I'm the king, then I guess I'm the king. And he says, in fact, the reason I was born, this is where Jesus speaks his purpose and his destiny into the atmosphere that makes it so powerful of everything he encountered and went through. And it says, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. We need to get on the side of truth and get out of the side of the lies. The side of the lies was never a cup we were to drink from. The side of truth is what the, the blood of God was spilt out for us in. That we can take a cup of his blood. You know, everybody around here does the, the bread and the wine. And they do this covenant sometimes throughout their day. But there's power in it. I value the covenant that I have with God. That when I come in and I have a covenant with Christ, and I do the bread and the wine, that the blood that was spilt is so that way I could hear the voice of truth. That way I could hear the Holy Spirit of truth and not the, the enemy's voice of lies. The beatings Jesus took were so that way I could hear his voice clearly. The voice of truth. That's why he's telling you that was his purpose and his destiny for the world. That people would know the truth and they would testify of the truth of who he was. Do you know who you serve? Because if you knew who you serve, then you wouldn't be confused. You wouldn't be confused and listening to the enemy anymore. Because you would know there's a God so big and so great that you don't have to agree with the lies anymore. You just have to get on the side of truth. And what does the side of truth look like? You walk right over. You walk right over from the lies and you say, I'm not believing these lies anymore. You speak over yourself like David did. And you say, God, I'm not going to believe these lies anymore. I'm crossing over to the truth of who you are. Yeah, I went through some hurts. Yes, I've been wounded. Yes, I've been through some things. But God did not come and die on the cross so you could stay broken. He came for you to be healed. That every single wound inside of you would be totally healed. He came in brokenness towards you. So that way you don't have to be broken. Let's just begin to stand this morning. I really feel there's going to be major breakthrough for you this morning. I really feel that God is going to come and shift some things. See, we break the mouth of the enemy and we render him powerless. That's what the word of God says. We break his teeth and we render him powerless. Because it's not, the enemy has no power over us. He has no authority over us unless we relinquish it. But some of us 
need to begin to grab those things back that the enemy thought he, it was okay to steal from us. You know, in this process of this phone call, when the Lord's telling me about his grace and about the doors still staying open, I was sitting there, and the Lord says, I'm going to pay. He says, the enemy's going to pay a hundredfold for what he's tried to steal, for what he's trying what he's tried to do in this place. He's going to he's going to have to he's going to have to come back with the double, with the triple. So I'm here to cash in this morning. I don't know about you, but I'm here to cash in whatever the enemy felt that he had reigns over. Whatever he felt that he could steal from us. He's been he's going to get caught this morning. And the lies are going to stop. The deception is going to stop. And we're going to cross over into the truth because that's what Jesus came here for to this world is that we would cross over to the truth to testify of the truth of who he was. So, God, we just come to you this morning, God. God, I pray that every voice that is not of you, God, it has to leave right now, God. Every whisper that is not of you, God, it has to begin to flee right now in the name of Jesus, God. We resist the devil this morning. Just begin to say that. We resist the devil this morning. We resist the devil this morning. We resist the devil this morning. And he will have to flee. He will have no choice but to flee from this place because we will resist the devil. God, I pray that you would saturate our minds. You would saturate our hearts. You would saturate our souls, God. The broken wounds, the broken tears inside our heart and in our spirit, God. That you would come and mend them, God. We wouldn't stay broken, God. You'd come and you would sew up every part, God. Every part of hope defer has to be gone. You are a God of hope, God. God, we're agreeing with heaven this morning because heaven is speaking right now, God. Heaven is speaking right now, God. The rivers are going to run in this place, God. The rivers are going to run in the people here, God. We ask that the rivers begin to get stirred up again, God. I pray for hunger to get stirred up this morning, God. Make us hungry for you, God. Make us desperate for you, God. We can't do anything without you, God. Why? 